Hey, this is Alex from Los Angeles. And this is Karan from San Francisco. Welcome to Movies That Shaped Us, a journey of self-discovery through a shared love of film. We are two longtime friends who grew up on opposite ends of the globe with very different backgrounds, but were both shaped and are still being shaped by the movies we see and love. In each episode, we'll cover a topic around important people, places, events, and moments in our lives, and then explore it through three of our favorite movies. We hope these movies and topics are fun and revelatory to you, just like the way they've been for us. So with that, Alex, what's our topic for today? So listeners, uh, the topic for today are movies that shaped our love of travel. Um, now, movies by I don't know by de- definition, but they're all transportive in some way. You're going into someone else's life um, or going to another place, place in time, whether it's a fictional place or, or not. Uh, but what we wanted to f- focus on is really that aspect of travel. Um, so this is uh, movies that either like inspired us to travel. Uh, we think of ourselves when we are um, watching them in terms of places we may be, uh, vacations we might have had in the past or places we visited or things we get out of travel. Um, so, you know, these are not necessarily travel log movies, um, but they're movies that really do resonate with us when it came to our travel experience. And both of us do love to travel. I mean, maybe I don't want to speak mm-hmm. for you too much, Karan, but um, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about uh, how I came up with with my list and just what I like liked, uh, to travel. So, um, you know, for me, I you know do like traveling. Um, these could be vacations where I'm just sitting on a beach and doing nothing um, or, you know, very, uh, you know, vacations where you're going to a bunch of museums and leading into a lot of the history, but then also those vacations where you're just absorbing the culture and there's not really much of necessarily mm-hmm. an agenda. I mean, honestly, I, I enjoy all three of these types of travel um, just depends on the mood I'm in, the place I'm going, maybe the time of my life uh, that I'm at as well. And sometimes you go potentially, or at least with me of thinking this is going to be a, just sit on the beach and do nothing um, bit of travel. And then you end up realizing it becomes another, another kind um, of, uh, of that, that travel. So that, that's what I was doing when I was thinking about these films, um, thinking about, again, the different thing, the different types of trips that I like taking, because it is a kind of a wide range. Um, and then also there's a little bit of, you know, either places that I've visited in some of these films or places, uh, these films have inspired me to then go visit places. There's a little bit of that personal connection there too, but it was mainly around, uh, the, the different types of traveling that, that I enjoy as, as someone who does, does like to travel. Um, even though it's been tough during these COVID times. Uh, so I've had to travel a lot through the movies then in real life, but, uh, yeah, Karan, how did you kind of approach this and what, what do you like out of travel? Yeah. Um, you know, as somebody who grew up as an army brat, you know, I've been moving around my whole life. Um, so in some ways, travel has been imbued in my upbringing, if you will. But outside of that, you know, seeking different places and like you said, getting exposed to different cultures, people, food, sites, what have you, history, that's all been a big part of my life. And I, I love it. Uh, couldn't get more of it. I, I, I really think and believe that the more you travel, you're, you're better for it. I think for for my framework, for my list of movies today, mm-hmm. I think I was anchoring a little bit more around what does travel make me feel? Um, and, you know, the different sort of core pillars, if you will, that I have associated myself uh, sort of grounded on when it comes to travel. Mm-hmm. And I'm being a little coy because if I talk more, I would sort of give it away. Right, right. <laughs> I don't want to do. Uh, but yeah, like you said, there's a little bit of personal places as well. Um, 
So yeah, very excited to go on this journey with you, pun intended. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> cool. So uh, yeah, why don't we start off then with your number three film that captures your love of travel? All right. Sounds good. So my number three is a movie, a little movie called Born Identity. Um the quick IMDb logline, by the way, this movie is from 2002, sorry, uh, directed by Doug Lyman, starring obviously Matt Damon, Chris Cooper, uh, Franca Patente, a bunch of other people. Uh, but the quick logline is a man is picked up by a fishing boat, bullet riddled and suffering from amnesia before racing to elude assassins and attempting to regain his memory. So I watched this movie when I was an undergrad and I remember watching this movie with a whole bunch of college friends, um, honestly not really caring or really even understanding what the plot of the movie uh-huh. was. But I think this movie really started my love of movies that what I call do sort of the globe hopping thing where mm. suddenly, you know, lettering would appear on the screen on the bottom right or the bottom left saying, you are here, you are here. And I don't know. I just find that so thrilling. I always have. It sort of speaks to my sort of adventure person, whatever, or travel monkey person that might be living inside me. Uh-huh. And I just love that. It's sort of a passport to the world. And that's all I remember. There are millions such movies, you know, usually, usually spy thrillers, Bond, blah, blah, blah. But I sort of trace it all back to this movie oh, okay. where that really started for me. Um, and since then, you know, especially Pierce Brosnan's Bond uh, 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 section, all of it to me is like a passport travel. Mm-hmm. I don't remember anything from any of those movies, but this is actually a, a brilliant movie too. So, so that's why this is on, on the list. Um, I rewatched it recently just in preparation for this podcast and was Mm -hmm. was blown away by like how much this movie holds up and how brilliant it is. And I think now in retrospect, and now that we're doing these podcasts, I think it spoke to me at a deeper level, which is sort of this feeling of being a foreigner, but sort of blending into another place in a very day-to-day casual way. Mm. Like this movie doesn't romanticize the beautiful locales of Europe or wherever you're at. You are at these places, but you know, you so it's very handheldy. It's very much guy on the street, girl on the street, having interactions. Uh, and that's something that speaks to me uh, as a traveler. Mm-hmm. The other thing that speaks to me in watching the movie again is sort of this, there's a sense of urgency and frantic pacing to the movie. Like you're dropped into it right off the bat. And it speaks to that side of me as a traveler that wants to pack in everything. Cause I know I'm right. only there for two days <laughs> and you know, you sort of fish out of water a little bit in this new place. Uh, so I think it captures that energy for me. And the fish out of water thing is interesting too, because Matt Damon's character is literally a fish out of water. He doesn't remember anything, but right. obviously he's very adept at navigating whatever he has to navigate. So there's a little bit of that too, which I, that resonates with me as a traveler. When you drop in somewhere, you don't really know where you're going, what you're doing, but the drive and sort of just the excitement of being there sort of pushes you through and you're you're willing to do what whatever you have to do to see and pack in as much. So I think it captures that intensity and energy for me. Um, and But otherwise as a movie, 
I think this is top tier Matt Damon. Uh, I don't, I can't see anybody else in this movie. I don't, I don't, I mean, I love Bond for sure, but mm-hmm. to me, this is probably my favorite when it comes to these kind of movies. Great ensemble cast. We talk a lot about mise-en-scene on this podcast. What an incredible score. It's just beautifully shot. The plot actually does make sense, but mm-hmm. it's the right balance of, you know, intricacies, but yet not sort of getting so, you know, up there in your head that you sort of are lost. Uh, There's enough breadth in a fast-paced movie to kind of enjoy where you're at and be with the people and be at the places you're in. So insanely rewatchable. And I'm so glad that I came back and watched this movie. And now this is going to be on my rewatchable list. Um, And I guess the last thing I would say here is that, well, actually two things. The second born movie was shot in Goa and India. And I mm-hmm. remember sort of watching that because at that time I was in India and sort of seeing that, oh my gosh, like a Hollywood big production is shot here. So I have a bit of that personal connection with this movie. And then, yeah, the last thing I would just say is that I think this movie fueled my desire to kind of take these trips and mm-hmm. put myself outside of my comfort zone. Um, so yeah, that's Born Identity, my number three. Cool. Yeah. This, this movie, I, I, I like a lot as well. Um, in terms of the the travel piece of it, it is interesting. Like you mentioned bond too, and you know, you, it's hard to bring up born and not, you know, compare them to bond, but you know, those films are the bond films, not only just the Brazen ones, but really just dating back all the way to, to Connery are travelogue films. They're globe trotting films. They go around the world. Oh, here's the Bahamas. Here's the, you know, uh, right. North Africa, <clears throat> India, et cetera. And they always look amazing and Bond looks cool and there's nice expensive hotels and like you want to go to all these places and contrasting it with this movie, which goes to some cool places, right? Like Mediterranean, Switzerland, Paris, Greece, but they look very like rundown, realistic, unglamorized is probably the best way to put it, Um, which, you know, you go to some of these places, it's not going to look like you go. It's not like you're James Bond. You're not. You're going to be in the hostel sometimes. You're not going to be in like the ten star exactly. hotels. Um, so I I love how that that contrast just brings a lot of the the more like real world grittiness. Yeah, it's not romanticized of, at no, all. Not at all. Not at all. I mean, the big action car chase sequence uh, in this film. He's in like this crummy little like european uh you know car that's like kind of a piece of shit you know a bond movie he'd be driving around in some incredible like aston martin and so even that action sequence is uh, very gritty which i think you know this movie does a really good job as being mm-hmm. a globetrotting travelogue film but not romanticizing the locations yeah. for sure um and I, and I agree with all the things you said just about the score being great uh you know john powell did a great job um actually like the score for the second one even even more i think he did i know it. that's the one i've been listening to since yeah. i watched because uh, i watched all three back not all three but three of yeah. them back to back after uh-huh. i watched rewatch this one yeah fantastic yeah yeah and, and personally like i remember seeing this film in the theaters thought it was okay like it didn't immediately like a lot of my friends were like oh my god born's incredible like yeah it was fine and yeah. it wasn't until i saw the second film and then i was like oh my gosh like what Greengrass did in that film and then the third one mm-hmm. uh, just really blew me. We went back and then would watch this. And I feel like now it's kind of a better film because of the subsequent ones. But, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, this this film uh, is, again, a, a great spy thriller. Definitely holds up 20 years later. Damon does a great job. I mean, all the things you said, I, I definitely like uh, second. Uh, but just interesting just with that gritty realism, which, you yeah. know, sometimes you go to these places in real life and they're not like they're on the movies. I think this movie does a good job of that. Yeah, totally. Um, well, glad to hear it. Um, what is your number three? 
Uh, so my number three, actually a little bit of a connection into yours, like the end of all the Bourne films has that really cool Moby track at the end. And, and the uh-huh. movie I'm about to bring up also has a, a, a good Moby track in it as well. It's uh, 2000s The Beach. And this movie was directed by Danny Boyle, um, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Tilda Swinton, Robert Carlyle. The uh, plot summary from IMDb, a vacation in Thailand, on a vacation in Thailand, Richard sets out for an island rumored to be a solitary beach paradise. Um, so this is a film much like the plot description is talks about it. It's Leonardo DiCaprio is essentially just a traveler looking for adventure. And what I think this film does a good job in capturing for me is that sense that travel is a way to experience new things you wouldn't do at home. You're more adventurous when you're out there and travel um, and travel. Sometimes you're seeking these different experiences that are things you can't get um, just when you're at home. Um, in the beginning of the movie, he goes to, uh, to Thailand um, and is basically there's some line in it. Like, Oh, if it, if it hurts me to do something, then it's worth it. He's drinking like snake <laughs> blood or venom yeah. blood. Or, I don't remember what that was. I'm like, he's trying to push himself a lot. I mean, you don't really know too much about his background, but you kind of assume he's, you know, a middle-class to rich kind of kid growing up kind of usually probably isn't in situations where his life is put in danger. And he's trying then to use this travel and this vacation as a way to do that. He's searching for the things that are not touristy. He's trying to find the things that are authentic and he associates that with danger, which is definitely something, you know, when I'm on a, on a doing traveling um, it's something where sometimes I'm feeling, okay, I want to capture like quote unquote, like the real whatever city I'm in or something. <laughs> and a lot of times it is sort of pushing yourself a little bit and trying to get outside of your comfort zone, which is definitely something that um, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character in this movie does. Um, there's also uh, that sense of travel companions. Like he meets a, a young mm-hmm. French couple in this hostel or hotel that he's at. And, you know, I've definitely on, on favorite vacations I've had sort of you meet people out and you sort of spend a day or something with them. And then, you know, they're your companions for about a day. And then you kind of never see them again, yeah. <laughs> which is, I think, another thing that this movie does a, a really good job in, in capturing. But um, so in this film, though, like Leo, like the script says, he goes off to this beach paradise. He's trying to find this incredible place um, that is sort of the, this destination that is hard to find. He finds his map and then he eventually gets there. Um, and it is this incredible beach location. And it is definitely something. Uh, but then there's a dark side to it. There's a mm-hmm. com- community there of basically ex-travelers who are setting up this commune. Um, and there's a lot of you know moral decisions he then has to make when he's there. And I think what this really does is make you think about like that, that price of price of paradise. And when you go off and you travel and you see a location that's great, you go on a great experience, you know, sometimes that is not always what it's, you know, what it's cracked up to be. You can't stay there forever. Like, which is another theme of this movie. I think they do a really good job of capturing too, um, that when you go on these vacations or do these travel, I shouldn't really use the word vacation. It's more travel. um, You are, this is only a temporary thing. Like you can't Mm -hmm. be there forever because then all of a sudden the downsides and the dark sides start coming up of wherever you are. Um, And when you're traveling, you are, it's not your home. Right. Um, yeah. So you only are seeing kind of the good, the good sides of it. And I think that movie just shows this movie helps show like if you do stay there for a long time, you start realizing that there are problems here, too. Like there is no such thing as that paradise, um, though. There is a, you know, a um, a line. I think it was like towards the end of the movie where, where Leo's basically saying like, oh, he still believes in paradise. But now he knows it's not it's not a place, it's not a destination. It's when you have these amazing moments in your life. That right. memory is like that paradise. Um, which is a nice positive message too in in this film. Um, So I I do think this, again, does a really good job of capturing that as well, that you can try to find that perfect place, but really it's, you just visit a place that's great. And it's that memory you have of that, that travel experience and what you experience there. That is really 
the paradise, um, holding on to that. But, uh, and then on a personal note, I, I went to Thailand after I'd seen this movie, like 10 years later or something, I had to go to this beach. So I did actually go there. Um, oh, wow. and which was really cool. Like to see it, there's a couple changes they made in the, um, in the movie, like adding some more mountains to make it seem a little more secluded. Um, mm. so it's not a hundred percent exactly what it looks like in the film, but it's still pretty cool. Um, and then even like a little bit of a meta comment, I guess, in a way of, uh, you know, like the, the dark side of, of paradise, I guess. So this, this beach, I don't think was necessarily really that famous until it was put in this movie. And then it got mm. overrun by tourists uh, so mm-hmm. much. So they had to close it down. There's actually wow. even a lawsuit that happened between the Thai government and Fox who produced the film where Fox like destroyed the beach to film on it. They like bulldozed some trees, Ugh. some sand dunes. I mean, it was like a, I don't remember where the, where the lawsuit ended up. It was going on for like 10 years um and just recently now i think you can go back but it's like x number of people a year like they're limiting it so again this sort of shows that you know Mm -hmm. paradise can be also ruined and that it's not exactly always perfect just like this production showed so you know as a movie like i saw this when it came out um i thought it was okay um i really liked the first two acts better than it ended and i actually hadn't seen this movie even when i went to this beach i didn't rewatch it going to the beach i just went I actually didn't even rewatch him when I got back. This is the mm. first time I've kind of sat through this whole movie um, since uh, seeing it, I guess, for the first time, probably. And I was actually yeah. surprised how well it sort of held up. I mean, I still had a little bit of a problem with the third act of it, but it was in a way kind of better than I remembered it. So I almost would in an odd way kind of recommend this movie, which I might not have done had I not just rewatched it. Um, but yeah, that's the that's the beach for me. Number three. Mm. Yeah, I had actually never watched this movie before. It was sort of much maligned from what I'd heard about it. So I just kind of stayed away from it. Um, But I have to say, I was pleasantly surprised. Maybe I just came in with very low expectations from what I'd heard. But I was actually pretty entertained by the whole thing and kind of spot on whatever you were saying. I, I agree with it. What I would add to that is I think the movie also does a pretty good job at calling out the sense of kind of responsibility or I guess lack thereof when it comes to tourists, Mm -hmm. which sort of Mm. goes into the meta commentary part with Fox that you're talking about too, that, you know, a lot of people when they travel and there's a spectrum to this too, maybe I'm guilty of it too, that you sort of telling yourself that, oh, I want the real thing, but you're kind of pursuing that in a very selfish, irresponsible way, because Mm -hmm. the people who live there, this is their real life. So by you sort of, you know, prancing around and doing your thing for the spirit of authenticity is actually sort of at the cost of something else, which net net then in that, I don't know how authentic that is in some ways, right? Because it's fabricated in your, it's your projection of whatever authentic means. And especially if it comes at a cost of something else. So I think the movie does a pretty good job at that feeling. And I don't even know about the Fox part, but it just adds another layer to it. So that's pretty cool. It's also great to see Leo at that time, you know, uh, he was the biggest star. I mean, probably still is in some ways. We don't have movie stars anymore, but, you know, for from for all accounts, he's probably in that list. But right. it's good to see him in that time frame of his life of sort of being, you know, just cool and cocky and sure of himself, which again is a meta commentary on traveling. Like a lot of people who feel like they've traveled a lot or will try anything yeah, you applaud them for their gutsiness, but 
I also cringe at it a little bit, right? You know, because it's like, oh, sure, great. You know, you you can drink snake blood. That's fantastic. Good for you. You know, so I don't know. The movie hit me on on different in different ways, which was really fun. Great to see Tilda Swinton. I hadn't seen a movie of her, especially in Hollywood, uh, when she was younger. So that was pretty cool to watch as well. The beach is beautiful. The movie is made super well. Um, yeah, the third act is a bit of a drag. The first act is probably my favorite because oh, totally. you're just thrown into it and you're like, what the hell is even happening? Um, so yeah, I do recommend it, strangely. I, I didn't think I would, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, you know, I, I like the point you made about that inauthentic experience. And it's interesting too, because, you know, like I said in the beginning of the film, Leo's like, I want the real, like, I don't want it something touristy. I want the real right. Thailand. And yet then he ends up at a beach that's literally all tourists. In yeah, a community. Exactly. Like there, it's the exact opposite of what he was looking for. And I do think that is sort of a comment on yeah. a type of traveler of, oh, I want the real thing, but you're never, you're not living there. You're not part of that culture. You can't yeah. really experience it the same way they can. Um, yeah. So I, I think that was a good, that's a good point you made that I think the film does a good job of just bringing those things up. I mean, I don't think it's judging it one way or the other, but saying, look, you're looking for this. You did, you found kind of the exact up. You might as well have been, opposite. you know, in like a bar in London meeting these same people. There's no, you're not really, you know, in touch with the culture, but. Uh, Absolutely. Also only, the only people on the island are hot, hot people. Nobody else. There's no person who's overweight. There's no right. person who looks not good. So yeah. It's a paradise, <laughs> it's a paradise. <laughs> but it comes at a cost. Yeah. Actually, yeah. it's funny. It made me think of, you know, a string of these reality TV shows from the last 20 years of where you're at some island. I mean, of course, Survivor, but also, you know, Bachelor in Paradise or whatever the dating shows, et cetera. It made me think of that a little bit. And I was wondering if they were inspired by this movie in some ways. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think the first season of Survivor came out the same year of this show. Ah, So it was right around that. I don't. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of that show. I don't know the history behind it other than that came at roughly the same time, they definitely could have been influenced by this for sure. Um, it did feel like that a lot. I mean, setting up a little society and yeah. Um, yeah. Very interesting. Cool. Well, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. And yeah, I was sort of also surprised to kind of say, yeah, I recommend seeing the beach <laughs> um, <laughs> and going there too, if you can uh, just again, following all the rules and uh, you yes. know, making sure that, uh, but great. So, so what's uh, your number two? All right. So my number two is Midnight in Paris from 2011, uh, directed by Woody Allen, starring Owen Wilson, Rachel McAdams, Kathy Bates, and a whole bunch of great people. Quick logline, while on a trip to Paris with his fiance's family, a nostalgic screenwriter finds himself mysteriously going back to the 1920s every day at midnight. So I put this movie for kind of bunch of reasons. One of them, it speaks to sort of my way of traveling where I love getting lost in the rabbit hole of history. And which is not to say that I'm reading, you know, the notices or the maps or the guides at museums or palaces, actually not a good reader. So I don't read much, but I like, I feel my way through it. I imagine as I'm walking through the Louvre or wherever, and looking at a setup of you know somebody somebody's bedroom and imagining oh what would it what would it feel like to kind of be in that room what conversations would you have and i think this movie does a great job of sort of just transporting you back with all these amazing 
you know, giants and icons of literature and music and such sort of in regular settings where they're just having parties and dancing around and having conversations and you sort of get a bit of a peek into that world. And I, I just love that. It speaks to me. The other thing that it speaks to me on is when you're traveling with people who are not on your wavelength. And I've definitely had that experience. Of course, the movie is heightened in that regard. It's sort of playing on archetypes, which movies do. And right. that's the point. It comes off. It can be a mean movie. Uh, you know, you've expressed this in the past. I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on this. Some of the people in the movie are just mean for really no reason. But, you know, that to me is the joke, if you will. It's the point of the movie. And I, it, it sort of harkens back to my travels from before, but I've traveled with people who are just, I'm not saying who's right or wrong, but just different and how excruciating that can be. And what comes out of it is the joy of sometimes just traveling alone, you know, and what that feels like. So yeah, this movie speaks to me on all those levels. Um, clearly this movie is in love with Paris, which I don't know, this is sort of my maybe definition of what is a good travel movie is that after the movie is over, you want to go to that place badly. You want to eat its food badly right, immediately. Right. Yep. And I think this movie really does that. Uh, the, the beginning montage in Paris and all the different places with incredible music and score and everything is just scrumptious and palpable, transports you there completely, but also establishes this conflict right off the bat the people who are romantics about travel and the people who are practical. And it's interesting, you know, I watched this movie when it came out and I loved it. And for years and years, I was Timo and Wilson because I am a little bit of that person. I am nostalgic about things. I am romantic about travel. I love walking around, getting lost on streets, talking to people at the bar, getting invited to some random party. Over time, as I gain confidence to travel, even joining those people, you know, who have just met. And that to me is, we just were talking about real travel. I call that my version of real travel, even though it's my own fabrication. But I sort of feel like, oh, I spent like an evening with Parisians, you know, at their home or at their back backyard drinking wine. How real is this? So I love that uh, for sure. But over time, as I've grown older, I think the practicalities of travel mean more to me than they did in the past where, yeah, walking in the rain, no matter where you're at is actually not great. You'll get or, wet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or eat, eating French food every single day, every single meal is probably not great because I would just get bored. I would want something else. And I've had Chinese food actually in Paris, which was very interesting. Um, so I think it's sort of, it's funny how the way I've grown in my relationship with travel has changed a little bit. I still tip over to the Owen Wilson side for sure. I think I will always be that in some way or the other. Uh, but but yeah, love this movie. Gorgeously made, incredible cast. Everybody brings their A game. Um, and yeah, you get to... Like my favorite part about travel movies are when you're not just shown the sights, but you're seeing the sights through the eyes of the people who are in it. Like it's right, why right. travel shows are the ones that are good are good is because you see the people in the movie appreciate what they're seeing. So you sort of vicariously travel, you know, with them. Uh, and I think this movie does a great job at that. So yeah, highly recommend it. I know 
Woody Allen, problematic, what have you. But I think of his late career, this movie and a few others sort of are, you know, in my top movies, if you will. Um, and you can put it on any day of the week, really. So, yeah. Not, not just at midnight. Not just at midnight. Any time of the day. Um, <laughs> cool. Yeah. So um, I had not seen this film before. I'll get into my thoughts like on the film overall in, in a bit. Um, but just responding. First of all, I think it's a great pick. Um, I think responding to a lot of what you said, you know, especially that opening montage. I timed mm. it too. It's like three minutes long. The movie starts no dialogue, no and no actors, anything. It's literally just like shots of, you know, Famous parts Life of Paris, Paris, just not famous parts of Paris over this great um, soundtrack, which I think was yep. definitely for me personally, the standout of the film was the soundtrack was great. A lot of, uh, you know, old timey French music from different periods. Uh, but yeah, it really did capture not only Paris, but like you said, you know, the different versions of travelers. There's the Owen Wilson, who's just there to like absorb, you know, absorb everything in the, the, the culture. Um, there's the... I guess that one of their friends who's like an academic. So he's very much like, I want to go to the museum. And- a pedantic gentleman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, read favorite everything. Line. Yeah, so yeah, definitely. That's that archetype, right? Um, and then his wife or fian- fiance, I think, mm-hmm. um, who she's basically there doing things that she could do back at home. Like, oh, I'll just go to the spa. Oh, I'm going to hang out with all the friends I already know. It's like those types yeah. of travelers that aren't really go. They're, they're somewhere else geographically, but they're not anywhere else like mentally or in their activity. She's not like, trying to drink anything in. Um, and, the, and those three different types of traveler, um, you know, for me personally, like I've been each one of those, depending on the trip um, <laughs> and the place. Uh, but I definitely gravitate much like you more to like the, the Owen Wilson side of things in terms of how he approaches, approaches the travel. Um, so I thought that was, you know, a good kind of comment on the different types of traveler, you know, it, this could not, not, not necessarily just for Paris. It could be anywhere. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, like in terms of the, the film. Um, so again, caveat, I always have to make not a Woody Allen fan. Um, again, nothing to do is problematic. I just don't like really his films. Mm-hmm. Um, this is actually a film when it came out that I remember a lot of my friends who knew that I don't like Woody Allen were trying to encourage me to see this. Cause like, mm-hmm. Oh, I think you would like this. Like, it's not, you know, a typical, whatever, like you should see this. You should see this. It was actually on a list of mine to try to see before the Oscars. Cause it got some nominations. Um, and then I just didn't bother getting around to seeing it. So, and I just never did. Um, and you know, I have to say it's not, I didn't dislike it. Um, I think it's, you know, some of it was a little too cheesy with the literary figures he was meeting. Also too, I'll, I'll admit that a lot of that went over my head too. Like that type of, um, uh, art, like, uh, you know, novelists and painters of that period of time, like, uh, beginning of the 20th century. I just don't know a lot about it. So like, if I see so-and-so I'm like, okay, like this is not like, I can't like respond to that or, or be a fanboy to it. Like Wilson was. Um, but you know, some of that stuff came off, you know, a a little cheesy, but again, it's, I think it just went over my head. Um, but I did, I did like the message of nostalgia in the film. I think that Mm -hmm. they were definitely trying to make that, um, point of, you might think the past is better than the present, but really it's not. Um, which is, you know, I definitely agree with that. Um, similar to like the beach in a way, it's like, you think something might be paradise, but really like it's, you know, it's, it's not necessarily always that. So that, that message I think was, was well done and, you know, resonated with me. Um, but, uh, 
Yeah. Well, and then, you know, you get the typical Woody Allen, like, uh, you know, a man who's like, there's like the shrew woman character that he finally gets rid of and meets like the most perfect girl that he basically designed the perfect person that he wants. Right. That's just something you find in it. So that's what happens in this movie. He loses his shrew fiance and finds like the perfect woman and this woman on the street at the end. But that's again, just that's just Woody Allen. That's that's what he always yeah. tends to do. Yeah. Um, but no, it, it, it was transportive. I mean, I've been to Paris a couple of times and uh, definitely I think captures why that city is so great and why I like like going back to it. Um, so, uh, yeah, the Paris at night is really cool. And I think that's mm-hmm. most of the movie takes place during that that time. But uh, yeah, I'm glad glad I saw it. Um, you know, I think. I guess it was a little better than I, I don't know. I didn't really have much expectations going into it other than just my friends telling me like, you should see this. You just put all the Woody Allen stuff aside. I think Owen Wilson does a decent job as He's like good and very good in as Everybody's the Woody character, you know, yeah. every central character is always Woody Allen. Yep. And if he was still in his forties, he would have played that, you know, yeah. um, he does a decent job as the Woody Allen surrogate in it. Um, but uh, yeah, I, would uh, you know, if you like Paris, I, I definitely do also recommend uh, recommend seeing this if not just for the opening three minutes i thought were really uh, really touching the, i really often watch that on youtube just because yeah. i want to get transported because it's so wonderful yeah i think it's it's interesting like i definitely have a connection with sort of literary icons from that time so you know for me watching this movie the first time and i still kind of catch myself in all my of the just the the thought that oh you could meet uh, like yeah. Cole Porter, just like sitting around and like singing and playing music, like lose my mind totally, you know? So I, I connect to that aspect. Of course, it's cheesy, but, you know, I to me as a plot device and as a set piece from a narration narration standpoint, it does work mm-hmm. uh, for the time. It's for, for the point it's trying to make, which right. you said, which is that, you know, you can't keep running away uh, from the present. That said, the you know, what I take away from the movie, and this is why I think, yeah, he meets the perfectly designed girl at the end. I don't know if they end up together or no, but I, I do think that it, it makes that subtle point. I don't know how subtle it is that, yeah, you can't keep going back to the past, but you can meet people who appreciate that. And right. you can create moments of the past in the present. So the two of them bonding on Cole Porter, I don't know if that's all they're going to talk about, or maybe that's all they're going to talk about and that would be it. And there, it wouldn't really be a relationship, but I think that's the part you kind of carry forward with you. Just the way you were talking about the strangers you meet, you know, when you're traveling, right. you're not from there, but you connect on something very specific. And that sometimes that specific thing can be nostalgia. You know, we all have a little bit of that in us. So yeah, I think yeah. that's what the movie tries to make a point about. No, I agree. And I think it's, again, just my, um, it's, I, it's just apparent that that it's, it's Woody Allen is always the central character in his films. And he's sort of like giving himself a gift at the end for being, you know, <laughs> getting rewarded for being Woody Allen. And that is again, something just for me personally, like, I see that yeah. in so many of his films. I'm like, I know what you're doing here, Woody. Like yeah, you're, yeah. you're inventing, you know, a scenario to give yourself a little reward, um, in yeah. the form of a, but anyway, <laughs> yeah. yeah, now we're getting no. too much of the Woody Allen aspect of it, but yeah, I, I think this is, uh, <laughs> Uh, a great movie that captures Paris. And I will say too, it's very sad seeing like the, the, you know, the shots of like Notre Dame, just based on like yeah. the fire that happened there a couple years back. It was actually, Oh man, it like made me sad to see that um, because of what happened to the, that structure. But yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. What is your next? 
Um, so my number two is uh, the Darjeeling Limited from 2007. This film directed mm-hmm. by Wes Anderson, starring Adrian Brody, Owen Wilson again. He makes our list twice. I guess he's a good traveler. Uh, Adrian <laughs> Brody is also in Midnight in Paris. So, oh, that's right. He is. That's t- oh, you're totally right. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. I don't know what this means, but <laughs> Dali. Yeah, is is, is Jason Rhinoceros? Is Jason Schwartzman in that too? I don't know. No. Or he was in some. Anyway, um, so Schwartzman was in this one and Angelica Houston. Uh, the IMDb plot summary A year after their father's funeral, three brothers travel across India by train in an attempt to bond with each other. Um, so, why I put this one on the list and what I think this captures for me as an element of travel is that travel takes you away from your, your home, like where you are, um, to help you better address or look at the problems that exist in your life and grow in maybe areas you need to grow in, but being in your home environment kind of holds you back a little bit from that. Um, and then how travel really can teaches you um, that also like life is about the journey and not like a destination. You might be going to a particular place um, on, uh, uh, you know, when you travel, but it's really that journey along the way of as you're going through that that trip um, and what it's leaving with you in terms of impressions on your personality that I think is uh, important. And I think this movie does a great job of of capturing that. So, you know, like the plot summary said, uh, these are three brothers from the U S and their father just died. um, And now they're going off to to India to kind of, these are brothers that haven't really got along recently Mm -hmm. and they're all dealing with their father's death in a different way. Um, Actually, the movie kind of makes a very obvious point with this, where they're all um, taking around bags like literal baggage that right. belonged to their father. So this is literally <laughs> the baggage of dealing with uh, both their emotions of losing their dad, um, but then also their emotions of the, um, in fighting might be too strong of war, the problems that they have just as brothers with each other. Um, and I think, again, with this film over the course of it, um, there is much like the, you know, the movie we just talked about, Midnight in Paris, where actually Owen Wilson plays the opposite type of character. He's the yeah. guy who has a, you know, an agenda. Okay. We got to go here. We got to go here. He's seeing this trip as um, much like the, uh, you know, the character that he didn't like in midnight in Paris, right. As, Oh, travel's not about the journey. And so we've got to go to each of these destinations, mm-hmm. do these little things. He prints out agendas, you know, trying to, you know, plan things. And, you know, that is, I think um, what he learns in this film through this journey is that's not necessarily the best way, not only to go through a trip, but also go through life. Um, and I think that to me, I think um, of the, the over planner, uh, that goes on the trip and realizes that's not something that's good for him is a, just an encapsulation of all the journeys that each of the brothers go through mm-hmm. in this film. And then actually the, the final uh, sequence is they're literally like dropping the bags of their dad. I mean, it's kind of obvious what's going yep. on here, but they drop the bags uh, of their father to finally get on a train together. Um, so they're accomplishing something together by letting go of the past and then continuing on that, that journey. Um, so, you know, there's also a lot of great, uh, you know, scenery in this capturing countrysides of India. I think it's the North, you might know this better than me in terms of where this took place. I think it's a Northern part, yeah. I, Northern part. Um, and also a, a great score as well. That's uh, we're not great a score, score soundtrack that's okay. using a lot of, um, I mean, again, you know better than me. These are famous tracks from famous Indian movies or not, but it's a lot of local music that he uses, in this. Um, uh, and also there's a sense of a train. I mean, I've been on a couple vacate, not vacations, trips um, where there, you travel on a train and there's a romanticism to that yeah. um, of watching the kind of uh, scenery go by. It's a different way to drink in um, where you're at. And uh, so I wanted to put, you know, one train 
film on this list that kind of captures that. Um, but uh, yeah, I think, again, this is really just about um, how you grow through travel um, and that being out of your home just helps you discover things about yourself. I think this movie does a great job with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that's the angle you chose uh, for this movie. And, and that comes through very strongly. Again, I had not watched this movie before, um, oh, okay. even though I'm a big Wes Anderson fan, but I just heard that this is sort of his not very successful movies, was right. not rated super well, kind of darker and what have you. So I sort of, you know, kept away from it. Also, any movie sort of that's based on somewhere that I grew up in, I, yeah, I don't totally. know why that automatically goes to the bottom of the list because for whatever reason, I don't know why. <laughs> no, 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 I get that. Yeah. Yeah. But I was, I'm very glad that I watched it. Um, to be honest with you, I think I need to watch this movie again to like really fully process it because in classic Wes Anderson fashion, right? Like you're dealing with the themes of the movie and the characters, but also, you know, the mise-en-scene, if you will. Right, uh, the production. I don't design. think he's at the level that he is now with Grand Budapest and such where you know, you're entering a jewel box and a Russian doll from story, but also from like a visual standpoint, like that's not really mm-hmm. happening, but there are beginnings of that. Um, it feels a lot more real as compared to, you know, how his movies are today. Like I do recognize the yellow boards of the station names and the STD, ISD kind of, you know, phone call booths. They, that's how uh, they are. Yeah. Uh, but somebody who's probably never been to India, they might think this is just Wes Anderson's romanticized view of jewel box Russian doll treatment. So, you know, there are motifs like that, but it's pretty real in that mm. sense. Oh, okay. Um, which is pretty cool. The train is beautiful. Uh, the dining car, I was sort of, you know, a gasp when they enter the dining car with all the lights and the chandeliers yeah. and all that's a beautiful shot. But yeah, the themes of the movie that you said definitely hit hard and everyone performed really well, is beautifully made. I think the thing that I'm still wrestling with is could this movie have been shot anywhere Ah. as compared to be in India? And, you know, that's the part which I'm not saying any filmmaker needs to like interrogate or investigate that the place that they are in. But I think when you're carrying so much baggage, literally, and in all (laughs) aspects, and you're going through a country which is so unique and you rub off of the uniqueness every now and then. But I, I just think even Wes would say this probably, who knows, that if he made this movie now, it would be a lot richer. Um, you look at Grand Budapest, some of his newer movies, like you really get a sense of place that's sort of entangled with what is happening. And I'm not saying it's not happening at all here, but right. I, I, and maybe that's why I need to watch the movie again to fully appreciate it. But it left me lukewarm if I'm, yeah, that's yeah. How, I, how I would put it, the movie itself. Yeah, I, I agree with you in the sense of it could have taken place somewhere else. Um, I think the India piece, you know, might even be problematic in this sense. Like that is a country, at least from the West, is viewed a lot as a spiritual place that you go to go on some mm-hmm. spiritual journey. So I think from that standpoint, uh, through a Western lens, that's probably why he chose India. Which is um, fine. I mean, I don't have issues no, with that. Uh, right, 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 right. Yeah. But I, I think it's not like a movie that I, you know, I've 
been a couple times and luckily to go with you, you show me around a little bit, which is mm-hmm. really fun and exciting. I love India. I want to go back and spend more time there. Um, but yeah, it wasn't like I watched this now having been to India where it feels like, Oh, I'm back there in every scene. Um, it's that it's, it's not necessarily that. Um, but I think, uh, oh, an interesting point too, about you were making around that it seemed like, um, you know, a dialed back Wes Anderson. This is the first movie that he made after, um, life aquatic, which yeah, yeah. was a failure for him. And I think he was trying to purposely do- cause that movie is very like, very dialed up. Quote, I can't unquote, even Wes, watch yeah. Wes Anderson. It's like so extreme life aquatic can't watch in terms it. of what he's doing. Too much. Right. 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 So I think he was purposely trying. I actually remember when I saw this for the first time and it aged more with me. Like I, the more I see it, the more I like it. Yeah. Um, but being like, Whoa, this doesn't feel like him at all. Like it's like he dropped all the pretense though. Mm-hmm. Now I can look and see enough of that in there. I think for what this movie's trying to do, doing mm-hmm. it too much would kind of lose the, the heart of the, and the emotion of this. But um, yeah, it's like not surprised you hadn't seen it. It's, it's, you know, looked on as not one of his strongest works. I personally think it's underrated and like mm-hmm. it better. I think than uh, most people do, or at least when they place it in his filmography, Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like for me, just about the travel as a journey to find oneself, I think this does a good job yeah. of, uh, of capturing that. So that's, that's why I had to, had that to totally it. comes across. And that's another good point. Like, you know, we talk about this a lot on, on the podcast. Like, mm-hmm. when do you come to the movies that if you come to, totally, totally. you know, like I watched, I think Midnight in Paris was probably the first Woody Allen movie I watched. I had no oh, interesting. Oh, okay. preconceived ideas about who this person is. And uh-huh. like you were saying how they you know, give themselves a gift at the end of the movie. Yeah. I had no idea. Of course, now I know it. So, you know, there's a lot of that happening. So, but I do want to go and check this movie back again. Uh, so I'm, I'm very happy that I watched it. I've been listening to the soundtrack since, uh, which is very cool. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. One question then on the soundtrack, are the, are those like famous Sort of. Or... Uh, I okay. didn't recognize any of them other than one song, but I looked at the credits. So they're from Satyajit Ray's movies, which I have not watched. I've seen maybe one of them, which okay. is, you know, shameful. Probably I need, I should go and watch Pathar Panchali and all these great, you know, movies, but they're all from his movies, I think. Oh, okay. Composed so... by him or from his movies or something like that. Yeah. Do, do you, do you know why maybe he chose that particular filmmaker to... I mean, Sadaji Dre is sort of India's export to the auteur uh, bracket, if you will. Like, you know, he has an honorary Oscar and his movies are, you know, kind of looked at in that pantheon with Kurosawa and such. So it's a very sort of specific brand of movies. It doesn't get more arty and, and, you know, rich and deep than Sadaji Dre. So maybe that's why. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've never heard of that filmmaker. So I'll have to yeah. check out some of his stuff. It sounds like I would like, like his yeah, films. A regular like, Criterion channel <laughs> feature. Oh, okay. Okay, great. Yeah. I'll definitely have to check that out. Cool. Yeah. Um, so I think we're nearing uh, number one now. So what uh, is your number one movie that shaped your love of travel? Yeah. So my number one is a movie called Summertime from 1955, directed by David Lean, starring Catherine Hepburn. Uh, and a quick logline, an American spinster's dream of romance finally become bittersweet reality when she meets a handsome but married Italian man when vacationing in Venice. Not the best logline, but oh well. <laughs> so this movie, oh gosh, I'll have to kind of compose my thoughts because this movie definitely means a lot to me in so mm-hmm. many ways. But really what it comes down to is... This movie captures, for me, the wonder of travel 
and the loneliness that mm. comes with it. You know, in my last movie pick, I was talking about sometimes traveling alone is pretty great because you get to kind of do your own thing, but with it comes a lot of loneliness. So this moment when, you know, you made it to the place which you've been wanting to go to, you know, you shuttle from the airport shuttle van from, um, from the airport, from the plane to the actual airport, you're sort of giddy, excited, feeling kind of icky and dirty and what have you. And then you finally make it to the hotel and you've showered until that moment, the excitement, the giddiness and a slight nervousness of like, what's going to be, what's this going to be like is all there with you. Mm -hmm. And then the moment you've taken your shower and you look outside the window, that's the moment where it suddenly hits you at least, or at least it hits me in my alone, alone travels that this is probably a big mistake. Why am I here? <laughs> I'm alone yeah. by myself. There's no one with me. Everyone's going to be looking at me. I'm going to be walking around on my own. Should probably just go back or just go back to bed. <laughs> so of course you power through that, you know, fleeting moment and then it's all wonderful. And you take those first steps out of the hotel after you showered and you're ready. And then the sights, the culture, the smells, the people, the sounds, it all sort of takes over and, mm -hmm. and you're, you know, happy and excited uh, to be there for sure. But I think this movie captures that so well. Um, obviously, you know, this is David Lean who we are talking about. So as a movie, like it's a grand movie for, you know, how it's shot and how it's made and it's sort mm -hmm. of totally transportive in every way, all departments firing at all cylinders. But it's also a very intimate, unglamorized movie for the fact that it's from the 50s and it's in Venice, which could you know, be glamorized and has been in the movies like crazy. And I think, and it is, but I don't know, it feels very real to me. And I think it comes down to Hepburn's performance, I think, yeah, where there's not much exposition on who this woman is. What did she do? What's her life? Who are her friends? Was she married? Does she have kids? You don't really know much about her, but you see all of it on her face. Like this is somebody who's built a life. This has been a lifelong dream, is excited and giddy to be there, but at the same time is so vulnerable because she's carrying that baggage of her life with her. And I think this movie does a great job at when you're in a new place, how you wrestle with what that place has to offer, right. whether it's new people who might feel charming or interesting. Do you go with them or not? Uh, do you step outside the comfort zone and try something new or not? Um, you know, and just the baggage that you bring with yourself. I mean, you've talked about this in your movies too, that travel is an escape for sure, but it's only an escape so far, right? Like right. your real life is still always with you. It doesn't take much for a line or a moment or a sound that takes you back to your real life, even though you're not at home. That sometimes can bring a happy memory or sometimes can bring a sad memory. And suddenly, even though you might be in front of the most beautiful location, eating gelato or whatever, and you suddenly still are lonely and sad because somehow that moment has brought up some other feelings from your past that, oh, how I've been single, you know, all this time or, or how I was cheated by somebody else. And now this person is right. advancing at me and 
all of it, right? So I think that's what this movie is so special that it's just so real and grounded in this in this sort of unreal setting. Venice is kind of unreal mm-hmm. <laughs> if you think about it, you know. So it's it's by design, I think, that they chose this city or this place as this at the backdrop or really the subject of the movie. So yeah, I just love it. I every time I watch it, I pick something new. It's also very funny. It's also the the little urchin boy that she forms the friendship with is just so hilarious to me. Um, there's something sad about that, but also very charming about that. Um, the other American tourists that you meet oh, yeah. throughout the journey, some are annoying. And, you know, all the stereotypes that we've talked about throughout this podcast, you see a little bit of that. Oh, definitely. Um, and then just on a personal note, so me and my family, right before I came to the US, we did like a big Europe trip and um, Venice was one of the locations. And my mom and dad were already there for some of my dad's work. And my sister and I then joined them in Europe, in Switzerland. And then we took trains to other places. And I'd forgotten how much baggage that they, they'd taken with themselves because they were going to formal events. So they had lots oh, of clothes yeah. and such. So we show up there. Of course, you know, we're taking all these trains. There aren't that many porters or if any, there are no trolleys. So my memory of getting to Venice is at 2 a.m. dragging six heavy suitcases amongst (laughs) the four of us. Yeah. You know, getting to this beautiful place, of course, but then you're lugging all your stuff to the ferry, getting to your hotel at, well, getting dropped by the ferry to the other side at like, I don't know, 3 a.m., this is pre-Google Maps. You have some paper map right. trying to find a way to your hotel, asking some you know random drunk tourist about where this place even is, showing up to the hotel at 4 a.m. And of course, our room is at the third floor, no elevator again. Ah. So we're dragging all this shit up all over again. Uh, and it's hot because and humid uh, during this time, even at that hour of the yeah. day. So it's actually not a pleasant memory at all <laughs> of being in Venice. But I look back at it and I just crack up uh, that, you know, this is out of a movie. Uh, right. And I, I, I remember I even said to my parents, that, have you moved here or what? Like, <laughs> why do you have so much stuff? This is ridiculous. So we still laugh about it. But you know, again, like you said, or like we talked about memory, I don't, I remember that fondly, honestly, even though in the moment it was excruciating. Um, but I want to go back to Venice and sort of do it for real and maybe find my own little red glass goblet this time. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I've only been to Venice. Is that the only time you've been there just once? Yep. Yeah, I've only been to Venice once too. It was in high school um, for a, a, I was in a, uh, singing group in high school and we were doing a European tour and we were there for about two days. Um, and I, I want to go back again. Cause I spent most of my time trying to find, so the, the movie Indiana Jones and last crusade, there's a famous sequence in Venice with a church that they go into. And then they come out of like a, uh, uh, a, a sewer grate in front of this church. I spent most of my time just trying to find that church. And this again, is pre Google maps. <laughs> like I was like, where's the filming locations? Like I didn't really, I, I would kind of regret not focusing more on like, the city itself and just be like, oh, I'm in Venice. It's like, okay, where's that filming location? Like, that's what I want to find. So I definitely want to go back myself too. Um, but uh, yeah, getting to the film, um, I agree with all everything you said. Like, a, I'm a huge David Lean fan. Um, mm-hmm. This is a fantastic film. Um, one that I had seen a little later in my Lean uh, appreciation. Uh, right. you know, 
focus Same more guy. on his larger epics. Uh, this is something I was going back and trying to fill in some gaps. So I saw this in college on, on DVD for the first time. Um, it just, I mean, the, the technicolor, like the look of Venice in this is so beautiful. But what yeah. I think this movie does such a great job of doing is it like a lot of the themes, if not all of them that we've talked about already through the other movies we've explored are all like inside of this movie in a way. Yep. Um, and I think this film too, even more so um, than anything we've talked about as well, really captures the experience of the traveler. Like you feel like you're a tourist in watching this film because she is acting like a tourist for better or for worse in all those different situations. Um, you know, even the, the first 20 minutes or so, you know, she's, all she is is like taking, she's so focused about taking photos. She's not really like experiencing yeah. much of anything. Like the old age Insta person. Yeah. You know, it was funny. Everything. I'm like, what are you doing, Jane? Get exactly. over with it. Exactly. So I was thinking like, man, they complain now about like people, oh, you're always on your iPhone, like Instagram and everything. Well, like 50, 60 years ago, there were people still with those little Insta cameras. So this is not and a new By problem. the way, a giant camera, which makes a terrible annoying sound, which she's like <laughs> rotating all the time. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So like it captures all those things that are still, you know, uh, yeah. Going on today. I mean, even the themes we were talking about in all these movies of like, Oh, it's the checklist people. Like those are the mm -hmm. folks from, you know, Ohio that she meets and they're always like, yep. Oh, we have, we schedule our free time in the schedule. It's like, <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> um, and I think she's a little bit like that too, in the beginning, honestly, like her character. And then as she kind of opens up and lets the city kind of get it, you know, get a hold of her. And then she meets the the gentleman who she falls in love with. I think mm -hmm. then she's really experiencing the, you know, the true city and is, is growing as, as a person too. Mm -hmm. But then there's also that, you know, the sadder part of it of like, like a vacation doesn't last forever. And you might have a little like fling, you know, with, uh, with a gentleman in, in Venice, but you know, you can't take him back home. This isn't your life. Like you got to go back to that. So there is that sadness at the end of the film actually is really sad. I feel like when she yeah. leaves, um, so, uh, yeah, uh, I, I think it, all the themes we talked about, um, are encapsulated in, in this film. And, you know, I'm actually not a big Catherine Hepburn fan. Um, I appreciate her more than I like her, but I think this yeah. is easily one of her best performances. Agreed. Um, she brings so much to this character that, um, is all this backstory that you don't ever explain, but you, you understand it in her performance. Totally. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's fantastic film. Um, and like I said, just hits all the, all the notes of all the themes we talked about. So I'm glad you, I'm glad you put it on the list. I'm sad. I'm so glad you love this movie. Um, and yeah, to kind of the last thing that you were saying, yeah, yeah, you have to go back to your real life, but I think travel ever so little changes you. Yes. Yes. You know, mm -hmm. like she, I feel like came out of her comfort zone. She tried something, she took a chance and there were many, you know, bumps along the way when she finds out, oh, he's married or, right. or oh, the goblet is not real or whatever. Mm -hmm. Her tendency is to like go back and retreat in her shell. Like not, okay, you know, burnt, hand is burned. Let's just go back. But then she comes back. And I feel mm -hmm. like she's taking that with her now that I hope Jane is going to take more risks and more chances even though, even if she gets bitten or gets a right. hand burnt, which is what travel does, you know, mm -hmm. it opens you up a little bit to possibility and chance. And you, to your point of growth, you really see that. And mm -hmm. you see that in her face when she's on the train leaving, 
such a good movie. No, it's, it's, yeah, it's fantastic. What's uh, your number one? <laughs> yeah. So my number one is uh, the trip to Spain from 2017 directed by Michael Winterbaum uh, starring Steve Coogan, Rob Brydon. The summary of this film is actor Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon embark on a six part episodic road trip through Europe. This time they're in Spain, sampling the restaurants, eateries, and sites along the way. Um, so this movie and why I put this on the list and why it's my number one, it really, for me, like in- captures the perfect like travel experience and what I enjoy out of travel. So it's um, being with great friends or family, um, experiencing a culture through mainly food, um, and it's, and really just, again, shows about, uh, that travel is very important of who you travel with as much mm-hmm. as where you go. Um, so I know you were mentioning in the previous film, uh, solo travels. I've, I've not, I've done that a couple times, but, uh, very, very rarely. And I think summertime does a great job of the you know, limited amount of time I have traveled alone. It does capture that a lot. And I think this movie is sort of the, the other side of it is just traveling with a companion, um, like a good friend or a good family member, um, mm-hmm. and how that is really just what for me, it makes travel even better. You're there experiencing something new, but you're with someone who, you know, you're close with experiencing that together. Um, and I think, uh, you know, this movie, again, they go around to different restaurants and two, like, I think what I like about this film is as well, like they're going they're in Spain and they're going to all these restaurants, but it's not like they're eating, you know, typical, like quote unquote, like Spanish food that you'd be getting in a restaurant elsewhere um it's it's food that is um you know very unique to that region through a particular particular chef maybe taking a modern take on something so that it's very very unique um Mm -hmm. it's i love finding that too when you go to a place um where yeah you want to try the best pasta if it might be in italy okay great but you want to find something that's not just the the same type of dish you would get if you were in little italy you want to find like what is very unique to this country now um and the restaurants that they go to in this show like the type of cuisines they eat um, are not something you typically, you know, would assume you'd find in a Spanish restaurant, you know, outside of Spain. Um, so I, I really like that as well. And, and also, you know, the, 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 this movie is shot like pseudo documentary style with a lot right. of Im- improv dialogue. So it's very sort of like free flowing, meandery randomness, you know, they capture not just the, oh, they're at a site experience something it's the trip to get there the you know the car ride and just the little dialogue you might have in a hotel lobby so it's all of these little things in travel of just those bonding experiences that you get uh when you're traveling especially with someone that isn't just you're at the coliseum and that's the thing that you remember sometimes it's not sometimes it's oh that long car ride we took to get to so and so you know yeah you could have been anywhere but you happen to be traveling you know the german countryside and you're there with your friend having a conversation or some banter or or learning something about them um and i think this movie does a a great job of, of that as well and you know, similar to what you were mentioning um, with uh, the previous pick too, like sometimes you're, you know, the real life does come into play as well. You know, Mm -hmm. Steve Coogan's always getting kind of phone calls. He's dealing with what his life is and his career is like back in the UK where he's from. So you can't ever really escape that, uh, which is definitely something as much as you try when you're traveling, you know, the real world in your back home life, especially now with all this uh, email and slacks and text messaging, you really can't fully cut off. And I think this does a, a good job of that, too. So, yeah, I think, again, it's, it really encapsulates that perfect type of trip for me. And actually, I'd seen this uh, this film um and I never really been that interested in going to Spain. Um, mm. And after seeing this, I planned a trip. Um, actually booked, uh, one of the restaurants that they went to was like, you had to book three months out in advance. 
get up at 2 a.m. to get there. And I had the reservation. Um, really excited about the whole trip to Spain, but then COVID happened and then the whole thing obviously did not happen. Um, yeah. But this is just another movie that literally like, inspired me to want to go to a place that was never really high on my list for some reason. Um, but after seeing this, like, I gotta go to Spain. Um, and I still hope to go at some point um, now that travel, like knock on wood, like COVID seems to be winding down and travel's opening back up again and things. Um, but uh, yeah, just really do love this film and also really hilarious too. I find it, find it very funny. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I mean, we've done many travels together, uh, not a big one, but obviously food and yep. good drink is, you know, our thing. So, uh -huh. I mean, you know, you're one of the few people you and Tracy that I would want to go and do a trip like this for sure. So, you know, this movie captures that perfectly. I actually honestly have not had too much of experience doing a big trip that spans over multiple days with a lot of people mm -hmm. or family members. I have some, but I want to do more of that. So, you know, hopefully now that things are opening up, like you said, you know, we can do more of that and, yeah. and, and such. So yeah, excited for that. Um, yeah, as a movie, you know, when the first trip movie came out, I think it felt super novel to me mm -hmm. as like a travel log, like you said, and a documentary and, you know, their jokes and their banter, their relationship, but using that as a lens to kind of view the place that they're in, all of that just felt really fresh and new. I had not seen this one until preparing for the podcast. Oh, okay. I missed this one. So I watched it and I don't know, maybe the formula if it of it, if you will, has now maybe lost its charm for me, at least the evening I watched this movie, hopefully it'll come back to me. Um, so I don't know, I, I sort of like, I, and I already know this, like it is meandering and it is mm -hmm. the point of the movie, but I, I found myself sort of disengaging quite a bit watching this movie. And I felt that the place and the food and, and such was not, you know, been been given the kind of attention that I would normally want because I, I wanted to see more of what is is happening. And also one thing that they all usually don't do much of in the movie in these movies is that, you know, they don't really appreciate what is happening or the food do a whole lot. Every once mm -hmm. in a while, they'll take a break from their impressions to say, oh, this is fun. This is kind of yeah. cool. But it's sort of left to you, really, to kind of savor whatever is being shown to you. So I don't know, it, juxtaposing this movie with all the other movies that I was watching where the characters were really put in the front seat of enjoying what they were enjoying and sort of expressing that so effusively, this movie felt very cold. Yeah in, yeah. in that regard. But again, I know that is the point. It's sort of, you know, left to you really as a viewer to kind of take in all of that. So, so yeah, you know, did it make me want to go to Spain for sure? Did it make me want to try all that food for sure? But I don't know, it also left me a little bit cold because I just felt like they weren't in the moment. Right. Join it that much, you know, and that took away something from it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think maybe for me, like, I relate to that in a way of like, when you're there actually experiencing it, it's sometimes hard to always be like, well, I'm like in front of this. It's especially when you're going with like a friend or a family member, a lot of it just ends up being hanging out and you just happen to be hanging out. And now you're in Spain as opposed to, you know, 
in like a suburb of wherever you live. Um, and rarely on those trips, sometimes you really do feel like that weight of, wow, I'm actually like in this place. And it's not till you like, then when you leave, right. And go back and think back on that, you only remember those like larger moments. Right. Um, and all the smaller stuff sometimes, uh, you know, aren't cause they don't maybe, you know, again, you could experience it anywhere. So yeah, I'm not at all surprised by that, that reaction. Like for me, that's what I think makes this movie special in terms of capturing that side of the travel um, because it is meant to, you know, pseudo it's a document, it's mockumentary essentially. Right. Um, so it's not meant to be very like cinematic and like put a big yeah. you know, kind of exclamation. No, it point doesn't on have it, like, to be. Film. If, if we're up to me, I would just change the proportion slightly. Mm, where okay. Do your thing, talk yeah. your thing. That's sort of what real is. But I mean, come on, when you walk into a place that, that the way the, the way it looks, yeah, as a regular human, you are gonna remark at it. Mm-hmm. If you put something strange or what have you, you are gonna remark at it, not all the time, right. but you know, more than that they do. And I don't know, I, I don't remember all the strip movies so distinctly in my head, but I just felt like this one did even lesser of of that part because in some of the other movies i sort of have vague memories in my head of them actually really appreciating where they're at Mm. but again to your point maybe they've done so many of these trips no pun intended that it's sort of (laughs) now old news maybe that in itself is a sort of a meta commentary of sorts so that's true and and these are edited down um tv seasons so each of these movies were also like six episodes of a show so perhaps when they got to this point they were focusing more on what they think an audience would want, which is the banter. Right. And they cut a lot of the other stuff out um, that there was in the show. Uh, but, you know, I'd have to like put, put both side by side with a fine tooth comb to, to figure that out. But that's uh, a good point. Yeah. Maybe that that's what it is. I don't know. So I would love a few more just lazy shots or just check you know, out the something. show. Yeah. Maybe check out the show and see if that maybe I need to check out the show. better with you. Um, <laughs> cool. Okay. So are any, uh, didn't quite make it on your list. Yeah, so I was trying really hard not to have all Europe movies, which you might have yeah. noticed. Um, uh-huh. So, but I couldn't really find any. I just sort of <laughs> say something about my fascination and desire to keep going back to Europe. Uh-huh. Um, and perhaps there aren't that many good movies that are made outside. You know, that's probably the other thing, perhaps, right? So, mm-hmm. but yeah, Talented Mr. Ripley was mm. on the list. Um that was the big one that I dropped, I would say. Mm, okay. And okay. some of the other Bourne movies, the Bond movies that we were talking about for those, you know, globetrotting passport pictures. Uh, mm-hmm. How about you? Uh, yeah, I mean, pretty similar. Like, there's a lot of Bond movies that are, again, really great travel logs. Um, they could have been made it on there. Uh, European Vacation, which is a movie mm. that I also uh, <laughs> really find funny. I think it captures a lot of the silly parts mm-hmm. of travel. Um, uh, Lost in Translation, um, which actually is not in Europe. This is a uh, that's a great one. Japan um, sideways and then um, into the wild were the ones that didn't make it but I was for various reasons into the wild yes yeah. that would be a very different take on travel definitely yeah definitely but <laughs> uh, great well um, hope everyone enjoyed uh, today's today's episode uh, maybe inspired you to think back to trips that you've taken or maybe put some more potential destinations on your list now that again knock on wood hopefully travel is being is coming back um to the world as as covid seems to be uh, on its on its way out and yeah just please make sure to like and subscribe share on our podcast we're always trying to grow our our listenership and uh hope uh, you come back for the next episode it's been a great discussion today karan 
Likewise. Uh, thank you all for listening and get those passports out. That's right. Get ready. <laughs> cool. See you later. Bye.